0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Once you got your Bible, go with me to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, there's a missions trip that will take place in March. I encourage you to go if you have the opportunity. You know, we've been talking about the law of blessing and curse. And again, I don't speak on this because I'm a pastor. I speak on this because I'm, I'm a giver myself. Have I always been that way? No, I hadn't always been that way. And so this is one of the reasons that I speak on it because I see the significance in my own life. And then again, I, I want you to know that that God wants to bless His children. He wants to take care of us. So a, a life of blessings... Did I tell you to go to Genesis 2? Go to Genesis 2 is where we'll begin. A life of blessing begins with a clear understanding... An acceptance of the word of God and the principles of God. A clear understanding. And once I understand it, I begin to accept it. Now, anything we don't understand, we're against. And so the goal of tonight even is to bring you understanding. And again, I I want the word of God to teach you. I want the word of God to get in there where you look and say, Man, I, I see what the word of God, what God says he'll do. And he will. So we begin in Genesis 2, verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. Now, right there we read where God literally gave Adam authority and responsibilities, what he did. He said, I give it to you to tend it and to keep it. Verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat in it, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die, or your life will be like a death-like existence. So God gives him these. Choices to make, but if you, if you note there, God didn't physically prevent Adam from eating from, those tree, from that one tree. He didn't physically prevent him. But what God does here is he gives Adam a choice. And when I say a choice, he gives him the ability to choose. Now when God gave him the ability to choose, he gave him the possibility to choose wrong. And still to this day, God still gives humanity, me and you, the ability to make choices. And wrong choices can cause pain. But understand this, when I make wrong choices, I have to live with the consequences of my choices. But as life goes on, those wrong choices at times, they teach me to be more careful about my decision-making. How many of you have ever made a bad choice and you knew it, you knew it, you knew it, and the next time that came around, you learned from that bad choice and you said, you know what, I'm not going to do that again. This is what God gave Adam the choices right there. And he said, I'm giving you a choice. I remember as a five-year-old, I was sitting on a counter one night, and I had a pair of tweezers. And for some unknown reason, I decided to put those tweezers right into the electric socket. That thing blew me right off the cal- The, the cabinet. I mean, blew me off. I mean, there was black marks on my hands. There was black marks on the wall. And I'll never forget, my dad came in and he looked at me. He looked at the wall and he just kind of shook his hand. Shook his head and looked at me like, Pastor, have you ever done that again? No, never. I hate that stuff to this day. I stay away from it. And so again, I'm just showing us here that God, he... He gives us choices. And even in this situation, God says you can eat from every tree except that, that one. You leave it alone. Now here's a question that I begin to look at what he said there in verse 17. Why would God place a tree in the garden and then forbid man to eat from it? Again. Again. He wanted to give mankind the ability or the will to choose, to exercise our own rights. And so in that in that situation there, he's telling us here, this this is good, this is the blessing and this is bad if you don't but you do know want. I love you. So I'm going to give you the, the the ability to choose. You get the opportunity to decide. And so again, the first fruits here, the first trees in this garden, they were an exercise or a test for Adam. And in our own lives, anytime we're faced with great choices, always choose to obey God. Now, turn with me to Leviticus chapter 27. We were there last week, Genesis, Exodus, and then Leviticus. I want to read this again, and the reason I'm reading again, because I want you to, to begin to get these scriptures down in your heart where you begin to see what the B-I-B-L-E says, all right? Uh, Leviticus 27, verse 30. And all of the tithe of the land, and remember a tithe is a 10%. It's a test. Literally, in many Jewish customs, the tithe tells God a lot about you. The tithe tells God a lot about me and you also. So he goes on to say... And all the tithe of the land, whether it's the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, it is holy, it is the Lord's. And so when you see that it's holy to God, it shows me right there, this is a big deal to God. And when you see the word holy, it means this is set apart to God. And so in other words, it's not mine, it's God's. And I want you to get this in your heart tonight. This is a big deal to God, okay? A real big deal. Now, I know we're moving fast. Go to the very last book of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3. Now, it's right there before Matthew. Malachi chapter 3. And we're going to really, really dig in here deeper tonight. Go a little farther each week. Malachi 3, verse 8. you're Italian, that's Malachi, okay? Just kidding. Will a man rob God? One translation says cheat. Another says steal. Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed or stolen or cheated you? The New Living says this. You have cheated me of the tithes and the offerings due to me. Now, it's, it's very clear here. You can keep the tithe, okay? You can do that. But understand this, that if you keep the tithe, in God's eyes you are viewed as a robber or a thief or a cheat. Now there's interesting words there in the end of verse number 8. When you look at the words tithes and offerings, note those two words there, tithes and offerings. They are both plural. It didn't say tithe singular. It says tithes and offerings. So what he's telling me, that this isn't a one-time event. Actually, when you read there, you find out that the tithes and the offerings were meant to be part of my life. That I live my life this way. Over and over and over. Verse number 9. You are cursed with a curse. Now remember, one of the definitions of blessing, it means the power of God working for you. The word curse means the power of God working against you. And so he goes on to say, You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, when we look at this right now, many times you find out that Christians try to overlook this, or they try to explain it away. And I have this question asked many times. Well, when it comes to the tithe, the tithe is Old Testament. It is law. And remember, pastor, in the New Testament, we live by the disposition of grace. Now, I just want to give you a little example of that. When people have the thought that just because the Old Testament talked about tithing, that they don't have to do it in the New Testament. Let me give you a little example. Tonight, I come walking in here, and I have a pistol under my shirt. And I pull that pistol out and right here in front of every one of you, I blow Raul's head off. Just boom. And you guys start freaking out. Start going into a frenzy. Some of you are calling 911 and just going berserk. And I stand up here and say, just relax. It's okay. It's okay. We live under grace. It's all right. You would say, lock him up. He's crazy. But again, when you look at the word murder there, that was in one of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. So here's a thought for you on that. If it was wrong in the Old Testament, it's now right in the New Testament? Or let's flip that around. If it was right in the Old Testament, it's now wrong in the New Testament? Look look right here at, at verse number 6, the same chapter. Look back at verse number 6. It says, "For I am the Lord God. I do not change." Now it's interesting that that's verse six, and then verse eight, nine, and ten, he gets in the tithe and he goes back and says, "I do not change." One reason God doesn't change is He's perfect; he can't He can't get any better. So, if people think that God changed, then when did He change? Because right here He said, "I don't change," and when we talk about the tithe. It's an unchanging principle established by an unchanging God. So it hasn't changed. And and when you go back and you look in the Old Testament, specifically Exodus 13, when it talked about the firstborn and the firstfruits, it said they're gods. Those are gods. Well, understand this. The tithe is God's too. It's God's. And you know what I find out? The longer I go in this, Without exception, tithers will say this out of their mouth. God has blessed me so much. God has blessed me so much. And without exception, the non-tithers will say usually this. I can't afford to tithe. And so what happens is both give testimony. One is saying, I'm so blessed. And the other one says, I can't tithe. I can't honor God. Now, I can tell you this in my life. I've been on both sides of the coin. When I got born again at 20 years old, I didn't know the things about God. I hadn't been taught the Word of God, and I didn't understand this. But I begin to hear Scripture over and over, and me and Shelly would go home, and we would begin to discuss it. And we came to the conclusion, we've got to start walking in this. We've got to start doing this. And so at the age of, of 24, 25... We begin to honor God. Here, 10 years later, at 35, some of you caught that. Let's add thirty, a little over 30 years. Here at 56 now, we still honor God. We still honor God. And it came back from getting a hold of the teaching and the word of God. And I will tell you, from the first time we started doing it, Man, it was stepping out of the boat and my little head would go crazy and everything. But we stayed with it and we stayed with it. You know why we stayed with it? Because we started believing God's word. Just like many in this room who've tithed, some have tithe a lot longer than I have. They've honored God. But I will tell you this, I'm blessed. I'm a blessed man. And it's because I've honored God. And I'm not just talking about financially. I'm not talking about material things always. I, I, I'm blessed with great health. I'm blessed with peace in my mind. I'm blessed with great sleep at night. I'm blessed in my marriage. And some people would say, well, what does that have to do with it? Well, how many of you in your marriage have ever gotten in arguments and fights over money? All of us can probably raise our hands. The rest of you who won't raise your hand, you're little liars. (laughs) So again, my marriage is blessed because we're in agreement with that. Over and over we've been in agreement. And you know what? There's times in my life that Shelly will come to me and she says, I believe we need to give this or that away. And I can look at her and say, oh, we're not going to do that. And she looks and says, God told me. And I say, okay. Okay. When God tells us, we move, we move. Back to the passage here. Verse number 10. Bring all the tithes, plural again, tithes, into the storehouse. Now, the word storehouse there, it means in different translations, my house. I love the new living. It says, my temple. So right there, biblically, not thus saith pastor. He says to me, you bring that tithe into the storehouse. Why would he say that? Keep reading. That there may be food or resources in my house or the temple. And try me now in this. I love different translations. One says, prove me now in this. This is the only place in the Bible you'll find where God says, prove me in this. So in my paraphrased edition, you know what I say God says? God says, I double dog dare you to do it. And look what happens when we begin to obey this. Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and I will pour out for you such blessings, there will not be room enough To receive it. Now the interesting part is is right here. Is we rob God of the privilege of blessing us. When we don't honor him with our tithe. But when I honor him with the tithe. A couple things go into motion. Number one he said. That there will be resources in his house. Number two he said. That I'm going to pour out great blessings on your life. And when I look right there at the, the, the blessings part. He says there's not only great blessings, it's not going to be room enough for you to receive it. This is what God says I'll do. Verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer, the devil, for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, your crops, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. So the third thing there that God says that he'll do, He'll rebuke Satan himself. He'll say, uh-uh, you're not going to go after them. And, and what you begin to see here is God always, always, always rewards obedience. Now, I'm not preaching give to get. I'm preaching give to give. I, mean, I just keep being blessed and I give and I'm blessed and I give and I give. And, you know, there have been times in my life that I've had people come to me and say This. Pastor, I'm confessing Malachi 3.10 over my life. And I said, oh yeah, what are you confessing? That God will open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings on me that there will not be room enough for me to receive it. And they've asked me, will you pray that over me? And I said to a guy one day, I said, you know what? I can lay hands on you until my hands become callous. I can lay hands on your head until you become bald-headed. But if you're not obeying the part in verse 10, as far as honoring him with your, you have no ground to stand on. But when you do honor him with that, you can go before God and say, I thank you today, Father God. You're a covenant God. You promised that you would open the windows of heaven. You promised that you would bless me. Now, when you talk about the tithe, it's a test. The tithe is a test. It's a test of your heart. It's a principle of putting God first, and it's also a principle of faith. Where I'm going to step out by faith, and I'm going to say, Lord, I'm going to do this because you said to do it. I will tell you this, guys. I'm not going to preach something that I don't live out. And so again, the Lord said, in 2017, I want my blessings to flow. Literally, his words to me, he said, I want to snap the neck of poverty. And I want to bless people to be a blessing. Turn with me to to, uh, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Just a few pages over. Just got a couple more verses I want you to see to get on the inside of you tonight. See again, listen to me. God God doesn't need you to give. But you sure do need to be blessed. Again, God's not broke. The angel's robes don't have heaven, uh, holes in them. God's paid the electric bill in heaven, okay? They're not going to turn off the lights on God. But again, it's the principle of the test of my heart to say, you know what, I'm going to honor you. And just as he told Adam, it's a test. That, that one Don't mess with it. Again, when it comes to the tithe, and we'll get into this more next week, the tithe carries the blessing. That's why you don't want to give that tithe to anybody other than God. That's the blessing portion, that first one. Um, Matthew 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, again, he says something here that's interesting. Your treasure is a locator of your heart. And God himself, he ties your treasure with your heart. Let me ask you, where's your heart? All you got to do is follow your treasure. Where's your treasure? That'll tell you where your heart's at. Again, when you begin to locate where all your money's going, it'll tell you where your treasure is. One last one. Uh, Matthew chapter 15. This is the last one and I'll quit tonight. Matthew 15, verse 8. Very similar here. These people draw near to me with their mouth. The message says they make a big show. And they honor me with their lips. They say the right thing. But their heart is far from me. In other words, their heart is not in it. And so again, it's a locator of the heart. And this may be the first time you've ever heard this, but I I encourage you, keep letting the Word of God teach you. Write these scriptures down, and then you go home and you meditate on them, and you begin to, to, to soak them in your heart and you watch, the Word of God will begin to challenge you. The Word of God will say, okay, you've got a choice to make. Again, I, I remember when I was a young believer, there was a man who was very, very wealthy, who had a sixth grade education. And he said this to me, he said, one thing you've got to get, you've got to get where you understand the principle of the tithe. He said, whatever you do in your life, you learn to honor God. And I looked at him as an example and I thought, you know what? God's a good God when we do our part, when we obey him. Let me pray. Father God, we love you tonight. We honor you tonight. We thank you, Lord, that your word is true, that your word teaches us, that your word sets us free. And Father God, breathe this on us. Breathe this on hearts. Lord, I pray that there becomes clarity, there becomes understanding with each one of us. And then, Father God, we become doers of the word and not hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, I, I got—I quit just a little bit early tonight. I got a, uh, an, an announcement. I believe it's a real good announcement. It's, it's going to make the church a lot more healthier. Uh, the reason I'm telling many of you, everybody in here will need to know this, but especially you ones that have teenagers that... Um, Tonight, Pastor Jimmy, our youth pastor, has been with us for 10 years. He has resigned, and it's a good thing, okay? It's a very good thing. He came to me about a month ago and said, "Pastor, I've I got to make a change in my life." that he had gotten really frustrated with what was taking place, and he just felt like he had lost his passion. That was his exact words to me. He said, "Pastor, I have no passion anymore to do this." And so I applaud him for do that, for doing that. And so again, I'm just letting you guys know that some of your teenagers may be a little rock. I say it's a good thing. I've, I've released him to go into the world and get him a good job and be blessed and take care of his family. So I'm, I'm good with it. i and I want you to be good with it. This isn't a night to be Debbie Downer, okay? It's a good night. I rejoice. Uh, again, I've been through this many a times. It doesn't move me a bit. And the reason it doesn't move me a bit because God will bless them, but also God will lead us to a new one. And you say, Pastor, have you hired someone? No, I haven't. But I got a lot of irons in the fire. I've been on the phone now for a month doing this. And so we didn't try to keep it from people. Just the timing of it before the holidays, okay? So we laid low on it a little bit. But it's going to be a good good thing, all right? Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit FaithChurchLubbock.com.